Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Tai. And as I know you are, if you're a listener, you are used to hearing me say every single week, I'm happy to be here with you again today. And I am. This is exciting. Today is a milestone for this podcast. This is actually episode number 100 that I am recording right now. Um, you may be listening to this uh, on in just an audio version, or you may be watching this on YouTube because I am uh, now recording as many of these as I can and get them onto my YouTube channel. I've heard from a lot of you guys that you really like to watch YouTube instead of just listening on podcast. So it's a little bit kind of difficult for me because I'm just sitting here in front of my computer and talking to you. I try to pretend like you're right there and I'm just talking to you, but it's a little bit weird. It's hard for me to get used to. And then it's kind of like, then I start thinking like, oh wow, people are going to be watching this and you know, do I look okay? Am I, am I making eye contact? Are you, you know, am I paying attention to what I'm doing? And then I've always got notes for what I want to talk about. And I'm like, am I looking too much at my notes? And so anyway, hopefully this all goes really well and um, we get this episode um, out. I have some interviews that I was going to share with you um, in the coming weeks, but I decided for this episode number 100, I wanted it to be a solo sode. So I'm just going to be on here talking to you about some things. I've had some questions coming in, some topics coming up, and I thought I would just go ahead and address those today in today's episode. So um, one of the things that, um, that we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about uh, ketones, like chasing ketones, so chasing the number that is on that glucometer, if you have a glucometer or a, a blood ketone meter. Um, we're going to talk about insulin and why keeping insulin low is really key, um, in my opinion anyway, not just in ketosis, but it's really key in health and longevity in general. Um, we're going to talk about fasting, and if that's necessary, we're going to talk about your willpower and how to set up your day for success. So these are some things that have been um, that people have sent to me, questions, things that have come in, or maybe not specific questions, but things that I kind of get often. So I'm going to address those since we get those in a lot. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is chasing ketones. So when I say chasing ketones, like what do I even mean by that? Well, what I mean is if you're on social media and you, which I think probably all of us are, right? Or the majority of us, and you are in some of these groups for ketosis or low carb living, or I guess specifically ketosis. So the groups that are focused on being in ketosis, the keto groups, um, many of them, you will see people constantly posting their uh, readings that they get on their keto mojo or whatever device that they're using to register or to measure their ketones, right? Um, not too many people use the breath um, analyzed ones that, that I see. It seems like it's always uh, blood, which is fine. That's the gold standard really. Um, 
but you see people posting. And so it'll be like, oh, I'm 2.8 millimole today, or, oh, well, I'm 3.6, or I got a 5.0 or whatever. And it's like, the, you know, the higher, the like chasing these numbers, right? So like somehow you're a better ketoer if you have more ketones on that meter. So I've talked about this a little bit before um, and kind of my take on that, but I have since uh, the last time I've discussed it, I have heard numerous other experts talking about it, and I have seen um, research papers and, and uh, studies that have come out talking about this very subject. And the thing that I have always said about it is, for myself personally, I noticed when I first started keto uh, two and a half, three years ago, that I was, most of my numbers I was registering quite high um, all the time. And that since I feel like what has happened, because I, things are not really, you know, been different for me, but my uh, numbers have come down, even though I'm eating the same or, you know, I'm, I'm having the same, um, like there's not been any major changes in myself, but yet I've seen the numbers coming down, but I, but I've not seen like brain fog and you know, weight hasn't been creeping on those types of things that would be indicators to me that perhaps uh, I'm not doing as well as I should be. Um, but I've seen that number come down significantly. And I generally am somewhere between uh, 0.5 and like one, like that's kind of usually where I hover. Um, I get a lot of 0.8s when I measure. And so um, if I was putting those numbers up against some of these people in these Facebook groups that are talking about it, they would probably think, well, you're just not doing it right. You're not ketoing hard enough. Like you need to try harder. You need to get bigger numbers. And I'm going to tell you that I don't believe that's true. I have talked about this numerous times, but now the studies, there are more and more studies that are backing that up and that our bodies are built to be very efficient, as efficient as they can be in like every aspect, right? So there's a lot of processes that don't run efficiently, that are very inefficient. Um, and, uh, and our bodies are constantly working to, to kind of shore those things up. And one of those things, one of those processes is producing ketones. So if we're using ketones as our fuel source, then then our body, if we are fat adapted and we've been using ketones as our fuel source and, and we pretty much, you know, we, we kind of all have like the same type of routine, right? Like every day I get up and do pretty much the same basic routine every day. I am physically active about the same amount every day or every week, you know, pretty much my life is pretty normal. Like there's pretty much normal activity going on. So my body knows approximately how many ketones it needs to actually create. Like my liver is going to create these ketones out of what I'm bringing in and uh, as my fuel source. And so it is only going to produce what it thinks that I need to have to get myself through the day, to be able to run as efficiently as possible. It has all these other jobs to do, right? 500 different things that my liver is doing. So it's not going to spend additional time that doesn't need to be spent producing additional ketones that I'm not going to be using. So I think as you get better and better and better at using ketones and your body gets better and better and better at knowing what you need, um, you're not going to produce excess ketones, which by the way, is what you are detecting when you do a blood reading. 
right? These are not the ketones that you are currently using for fuel. This is just what's circulating in your blood. So if it's circulating in your blood, you're not currently using it, right? So, so I think it's just important to, if you're one of those people that see all of these posts on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and every day you're checking your ketones and you're obsessing over this and you're thinking, man, uh, this girl is at three millimole all the time and all I can seem to get is I'm eking out 0.8 millimole every day. If you feel good, and you're hitting your goals and your brain fog's gone and you know you're you're you got all this you know pep in your step and you're getting through your day and everything's great don't worry about it then you're doing fine then point 0.8 is what you need that is what your body has gotten good at it's producing what you need you've got plenty of energy brain fog's gone your body is utilizing the ketones you're fine don't worry about the person that's got point 0.3 now does that mean the the person that has point 0.3 is not good at utilizing ketones, I don't know. Maybe they're bringing in so much excess that their body's making tons and they're actually using, like, I don't know. I don't know what the, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why they have a lot. Maybe it is that they are newer to this lifestyle or that, um, or that their body is just not quite uh, as good at producing exactly what it needs yet. I don't know, that's a possibility. So just uh, wanted to put that out there and wanted to help you kind of put your mind to ease and just tell you stop chasing the numbers um, on the Keto Mojo or whatever ketone reader you've got. Um, don't worry about the numbers so much. Just worry about how you're feeling and how things are working for you and uh, not so much about what that number says on the uh, Keto Meter. I would be much more interested if I were you in seeing what your blood glucose is in response to when you're eating, that is the better indicator of how your body is uh, functioning and how it's working with what you're eating. Not so much what your ketone reading is. Um, much more important to see what your blood glucose does in response to what you're eating. Okay, so this brings me to, perfect segue, so we're talking about blood glucose, this brings me to keeping insulin low. So a lot of times when we're talking about keto, um, we think that we chase that number because we think that's actually what's the most important thing, right? We want this great ketone reading. We need lots of ketones. And that's what tells us that we're doing this right. And uh, we're hit some, you know, awesome goal that we've set for ourselves. The, the more ketones we produce, the better. And I would like to suggest to you that that's actually not true. I think it is the, the lower we can keep our insulin, the better. So high insulin or, you know, keeping insulin high throughout the day or, or stoked throughout the day. So maybe not even high, but just always having insulin present. That is a, that's a much bigger indicator of, uh, of problems, right? Of chronic issues and, um, and, you know, um, early death, you know, having things break down, um, insulin resistance. So, which, you know, is going to lead obviously to diabetes down the road and diabetes leads to issues like heart disease. And, um, you know, we've got cancer creeping in like those types of issues. Um, those, those are metabolic issues and, um, insulin is a having chronically elevated levels of insulin is a good indicator that you're going to have 
one or a myriad of those types of issues. So I think when you're looking at ketosis or not even looking at ketosis, maybe you're not even 100% sure you even care about being in ketosis. That's fine. Um, I think the more important thing is that everybody should be concerned about and what keto does such a good job at is keeping our insulin low. You can't be in ketosis and have elevated levels of, of insulin. So it's not that you won't have elevated levels of insulin from time to time, but you cannot have chronically elevated levels of insulin. There's so many hormones at play here um, that are going to, you know, you've got glucagon and cortisol, and you've got these counter regulatory hormones to insulin. Um, and when those hormones are elevated all the time, you're not going to be able to produce ketones. So um, this also kind of is, and I've talked about this in the past too, but this might be something that if you are a person that has kind of started um, ketosis and you're frustrated because you're just like, man, I, I just can't seem to, I barely get anything on the, on the meter. Um, most of the time I, I just get a low reading. I can't even seem to, to register any ketones. Like I don't know what's going on. I'm eating all the fat. I'm, I'm cutting out my carbs. That is probably an indicator to you that you have insulin resistance. You have elevated or chronically elevated levels of insulin throughout the day. Um, or that you, you know, and or that you have some uh, some issues regulating some of these other hormones like glucagon or cortisol. So um, cortisol, obviously, we all think of stress when we think of, of cortisol, right? And so if you're dealing with a lot of stress or not getting sleep or those types of things, that's going to keep cortisol elevated as well. Um, and we're going to have issues with insulin. Um, what was, I just was thinking something I wanted to make sure that I said to you and uh, it just right out of my brain. This is why I write notes and even still, sometimes I forget um, what I wanted to say to you. But um, I guess just what I'm trying to say is uh, we really need to be focused on insulin. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. So uh, one of the ways that we can help with insulin regulation or one of the things that you may be uh, experiencing, if you're experiencing the issues of, of not being able to get into ketosis and you're frustrated because you can't seem to produce ketones, um, one thing that people don't realize is that insulin is actually released anytime that we are uh, ready to eat. So you smell food, see food, start thinking about food, your body automatically is going to produce insulin in response to that. It's expecting to get food and it's expecting blood glucose to go up and so um, insulin production already starts and we're ready for it. Now that insulin production is gonna ramp up based on what you eat because when that happens from, from your reaction in your brain, remember we talked about before on here, digestion starts in your brain. So when, uh, when that happens, your body doesn't know, I mean, the, the insulin is being released, right? It doesn't know if you're gonna have carbs coming in, or you're going to have just fat coming in, or you're going to have protein coming in. It doesn't know, right? So this, this is just like the, um, the, the base line insulin that your body's going to produce. And that's going to vary from person to person because that's very much going to depend on your metabolic health and what your body is used to you bringing in. So if you're, if you're constantly bombarding your body with carbs and you've already got some level of insulin resistance, then your body is probably pumping out way more insulin than it needs to pump out before you even start eating because it's anticipating that what you typically eat and what's going to be coming in that it's, remember your body is 
it figures these things out, right? And it's not gonna waste time that it doesn't need to waste. But if it knows that, hey, you know, we're, our blood glucose is it's gonna shoot through the roof. She just smelled some food, here it comes. We got bagels and, you know, cinnamon rolls and whatever, orange juice, here, here comes breakfast. Then that's what it's going to do all the time. Like that's like, you have to retrain your body to be like, oh no, wait a minute. She did that. We don't need that much insulin released anymore because she's not eating that way anymore. So you could have those types of things going on. Keep in mind that, um, that every time you eat though, insulin is released and that is going to stay in your system about two hours on average. So think about, just think about that. So think about when, um, we've been told in the past, like you need to eat six small meals a day, right? How many of you have heard that? Like I, I, and man, I tried my very best to do that. Right. For years, I tried my very best to do that. Could not figure out why I couldn't lose weight and why things were so difficult. And you know, all, just all the stuff that comes with that. Right. Well, my insulin levels were elevated like practically 24 seven, unless I was sleeping and, and physically unable to be eating while I was sleeping my insulin was elevated all the time because I was just eating little bits all day long. So all day long, I was stoking it. Not to mention the fact that I was eating a lot of carbohydrates because that's what I thought was healthy, right? Healthy whole grains and, and fruits and, you know, all this kind of stuff. As long as it was low fat, it was healthy, right? So uh, that's a whole nother, we're not even going to go down that road. But my point is, is that you need to really be focused on keeping insulin low. So um, what that may mean is that uh, you're going to eat breakfast if you wanna have breakfast and you eat a good amount of fat and protein and then you wait four, six hours. I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm up at uh, 5.45, six o'clock every morning getting the kids breakfast. I usually don't wanna eat at that time, but let's say, let's say I want to eat an hour early or later. Let's say I eat at seven o'clock. So then lunchtime, right, is noon, one, something like that. So then I wouldn't eat again for another five to six hours. Well, that's perfect because then insulin levels, insulin's gone. It's been down for a long time. I don't have to worry. It's not been, you know, I'm not stoking my insulin all day long. And then come about uh, lunch, let's say I have lunch. And then let's say that's at one o'clock. So what's that? I went five hours or 12 o'clock, let's say. So five hours, um, eat at 12. And then let's say dinner's at six. Now I went another six hours. And then I stop eating at six o'clock and then reset the next morning. So that's if you're eating three meals a day. Now imagine in contrast to that, I eat at seven. And then I want a mid-morning snack at 10. Well, shoot, my insulin has just barely been out of circulation and I've stoked it again. And then, oh, here comes noon. I want to eat again. Insulin never even went down. I had it pumping through the whole time. And now uh, noon and then, oh, now I need an afternoon pick-me-up, right? We got that afternoon slump, 2 to 2.30. So now I'm having a little snack at 2 to 2.30. Maybe I'm having my chocolate and some, uh, you know, mocha latte from wherever or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I drink black coffee, so... I'm not very up on all that stuff, but um, then I have that. Now I've stoked it again. Never even had time to come down from the last time I ate. And now I drive home and now I have dinner. And maybe there was a half hour of time uh, between the last time that, uh, you know, my body saw some insulin and now it's coming back again because I've just eaten again. So you can see how this can be a problem, right? And insulin is known as the fat storage hormone. So um, whatever you're not using of the, of what you're bringing in at that time, your body is going to store it. Um, that is what insulin does. It's going to find a place to put that. And unfortunately for most of us, that means that it is going to find, uh, 
vacate uh, or, or make not vacant fat cells, but it's going to make new areas to store um, this, these triglycerides, this fat. So, um, so watch the uh, insulin. That's, I want to make sure that we, that I keep kind of helping you guys to understand that is much more important really than, than producing ketones and that type of thing, which I think is great if that's your goal and, and you, you know, ketones are wonderful. They're wonderful. Um, but I don't want us to get so wrapped up in producing ketones that we forget about the whole insulin part and then can't figure out why we either can't get into ketosis or we're in ketosis, but we're not getting the results that we want. Um, so I just want to make sure we're kind of thinking about that. Okay. Um, also, I wanted to talk about fasting and um, I get a lot of questions about is fasting necessary? I'm new to keto and um, I just don't feel like fasting and I, I feel like I'm hungry. I want to eat, but, but I feel like I'm failing because I'm, I'm not skipping meals and absolutely fasting is not necessary. Um, there are no rules that say to be in ketosis or to be a good ketoer, you need to fast. Now it is another one of those things that's talked about a lot on social media. And I don't think there's anything wrong with fasting. And if that works for you and you like that, I think that's great. And for myself and for a lot of clients, I do recommend that they fast, um, one to two days, um, uh, it probably one to two days a month um, or uh, every other week type thing where you kind of do like a, like a reset, give your body a break um, if that feels good to you. But I think, again, when we're talking about what is most important, what is going to perhaps give you the most bang for your buck, I don't think it's necessarily fasting as much as it is time-restricted eating. So you could say, well, that's just somatics, right? It's the same thing. I mean, you're fasting, time-restricted eating. I mean, what's the difference? It just means there are certain times you're not eating. The difference is um, fasting, if you're talking about fasting, you're really focused on not eating or skipping meals, right? Like you just think to yourself, well, I'm going to fast breakfast. So I just, I won't eat breakfast. Um, or I'm going to fast dinner. I won't eat dinner. Or you think about fasting, like maybe you think, well, uh, today I want to make sure I fast 16 hours or I'm going to fast 20 hours. Um, and I would like to just suggest that maybe you think of it more as time-restricted eating windows. So instead of thinking like, well, I'm not going to eat breakfast, maybe you think more about if you're hungry for breakfast and you want to eat, fine, eat. That, you know, do that. Don't, don't deny your body because you're like, no, I'm going to fast. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. I'm fasting. Um, eat your breakfast, but maybe keep when you're eating in a more time-restricted window. Why? Many benefits to this, but one of them is we just talked about insulin production, right? So if you eat in a time-restricted window, maybe you eat in a four-hour window or a six-hour window. Those are kind of popular uh, time-restricted eating windows. Uh, maybe you eat in that window every day and you get all of your calories in in that time period, and then you don't eat any other time. So instead of focusing on what you're not doing and the meals that you're not eating, which is what fasting indicates, you're instead saying, no, I'm eating all those meals. I'm just eating them in this window of time. So maybe you have breakfast at 10 and then you are finishing up with your day six hours later at four. So you're, that, that's it. Like that's, that's your window that you're eating. Um, so your dinner would be at four, maybe breakfast is at 10, that type of thing. 
Um, and again, if that works for you, some people have a really difficult time getting enough calories in in that period of time. Um, because if you're doing time-restricted eating or fasting or anything else, I know I've talked about this before, but I definitely want to make sure that I'm really dialing this in. You, if you are having a difficult time getting in the amount of calories your body needs to be able to function, your basal metabolic rate, remember we've talked about this before, um, I really, really talk about this, teach you exactly how to figure out what your BMR is in my um, Keto Masterclass. So um, run over to my website, grab that class if you haven't taken that yet and you're interested in learning more about this. But, um, but it's very important to know what your basal metabolic rate is. You need to know how many calories a day you actually need to be eating. Because if you are fasting or eating in a time-restricted window and you are not able to get in those calories day after day after day, guess what happens? You're resetting your metabolic uh, what do I, how do I want to say this? <laughs> the metabolic clock isn't really right. Your rate, you're resetting your metabolic rate. And if you do that day after day after day, now your new metabolic rate is going to be whatever the deficiency is that you're giving your body every day. Now, can you give your body a deficiency from time to time? Sure. That's fine. You lose weight that way. But what happens is we get so caught up on the fact that you can lose weight that way that we say, oh, well, if you know, doing it this much is good, then doing it this much, much be better. And so we start, we go from, um, you know, maybe we have a day or two or three, a month of fasting or, um, or we, you know, fast, uh, at different intervals throughout the week, or we do time restricted eating throughout the week. And so maybe one day we have 2,200 calories and another day we have 1200 calories. And then another day we have no calories. And then another day we have 2,600 calories, whatever we, we forget that that's the way we should be doing it. And we start thinking, well, I'm losing weight. I'm just going to, you know, pedal to the metal, man. So I'm just going to restrict, 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 restrict. And while you're doing that, your body, who is what, what do I keep trying to tell you guys? Very smart and very efficient starts going, wait a minute, we're not getting that many calories day in, day out. It's not just a sporadic thing anymore. I think she's starving because it's been like a week now and we're still not getting good calories. And guess what it starts to do? Dial back the amount of energy that it needs. So it will start taking away from processes in your body that are not essential to life and will start dialing back your metabolic rate and keeping, you know, slowing things down so that the amount of energy that you're giving it will now be sufficient for it to do the processes that it needs to do. Does that make sense? It'll also start storing fat as much as possible to make sure that you can stay alive. And when you do start eating normal again, normal, like when you do say, oh, okay, I've reached my goal weight. I'm good now. I can't stick with this anymore. I need to actually start eating food then you're going to start packing on the pounds and you're going to start packing them on faster than ever because now your body has said, wait a minute, we've got food now. I wasn't that long ago. She was starving. Let's start storing this as fat. And you will start packing on fat quicker than you ever have in the past because now your body has a reason to store it. All right. Okay. Um, last thing I want to talk about is um, I've talked about this a little bit in the past before, but I recently had some questions about around this subject and uh, recently heard some other people talking about it. And so it kind of just reignited the fact that I wanted to make sure to share this with you guys. And that is willpower. So uh, many of us hear and we think 
that you can, uh, that you can exercise your willpower and make it stronger, much like you to exercise a muscle, right? We've all heard that. Like you just have to keep working on it, keep building it. And it'll get, you'll get more and more willpower. You'll get better and better and better at it. And I want to tell you that is baloney. <laughs> you willpower is finite that this is proven. Like there's absolutely no debate to this. Anybody that tells you that you can um, increase your willpower if you just work harder on it, absolutely does not understand the science behind it at all. Willpower is finite. This is why uh, one of the reasons that I try to encourage clients and you as listeners to not try to change everything at one time, but to implement things, you know, a few things maybe at a time or per day or per week and add those things into your routine and just make them part of your routine. The reason why is because if you are trying to do too many things at once, you don't have enough willpower for that and you, you'll run out and you'll just be like, I, I can't do any of it. It'll be too overwhelming. The other thing is that, um, if you, if you make if you decide that you're going to do certain things and you keep a journal on them or you write them down or you have a list or whatever the, the, how, whatever the mechanism is for you, if you already have those decisions made and all you have to do is do it, you don't have to think about it, then that saves your willpower because you have a finite amount of it. Okay, great example. Let me, let me try to put it this way. Are you a person who sets your alarm and you snooze four times before you get up. So you set the alarm, but you know that you're gonna hit that snooze. Every time that that snooze button goes off, you're making a decision. You're using your willpower, this finite amount of willpower that you have. Because every time, I know because I used to do this, every time that alarm goes off, even though you've said to yourself, I'm going to set this alarm early because I know I'm going to hit the snooze button and I'm going to have extra time to do that, to hit the snooze button. Every time that snooze button goes off before you hit it, you're actually thinking in your brain, what time is it? Okay. It's five, five forty-five. Okay. If I get up at, if I hit the snooze button, it's going to be eight minutes. I have eight more minutes and I can still get everything done. Okay. Snooze. Then you go back to sleep. Get you up eight minutes later. Then you're thinking, okay, what time is it? Okay, well, now if I, if I just don't do that, then I'll have time. Okay, snooze. Goes off eight minutes later. And you're thinking, okay, shoot, man, I really should get up. But you know what? I really don't have to wash my hair. I have dry shampoo. I'll just spray some dry shampoo in it. It'll be fine. Snooze. Goes off again. You're thinking, okay, all right, I need to, I don't really have to take the dog for a walk, I guess. I mean, I could just take a dog for the walk for a walk later, right? Like, I don't really have to do it right now. You hit the snooze again. Every single time that that happened, you're using your willpower because you're, you're, you're it's decision-making. You're, you're trying to decide, do, do I need, you know, what, what do I need? How do I need to do this? Like, uh, do, do I need to get up? Can I just take care of these things later? Can I push this off a little bit? So, so you're making these decisions when what you should have done was just don't use any willpower. You don't have to use willpower to get up, right? You just say, the alarm goes off. I get up. That's when I have to get up. So you just get up. So there's no, there's no, the willpower is the internal fight with yourself of, 
you know, am I going to do, am I going to will myself to do this or am I going to, am I going to lose at this? Am I going to, am I going to just be like, Oh, I just didn't have the, you know, I tried to use my willpower to get up, but I was just, I just didn't want to, I just hit this news four times. So you've already made all those decisions before you've even gotten out of bed. So then you get out of bed and then you're like, I don't even know what I want to eat. Like, there's just nothing to eat. I don't, I don't really want to, I don't really want to cook eggs. Like it's just going to take so long. And now I've hit the snooze four times and I don't really have time to cook eggs. And I don't know, maybe I could put bacon in the microwave real fast. I don't know. Oh, well, my husband's got some toast or, or some bread over there. Maybe I'll just toast the bread. And I mean, it's not that bad, right? I'll put a bunch of butter on it and it'll be fine. And then, so now you've made all these other decisions and you've further kind of chunked down your willpower. So to help you avoid doing that, what you do is you set your alarm, you know you're going to get up. You don't need any willpower. That is a decision that you've already made, right? So you're like, 545 comes, that alarm goes off, I'm up, I'm getting up. There's no more decisions to be made there. Then when you get up in the morning, if you have to do it ahead of time, do it. Cook yourself some scrambled eggs, put them in a container in the fridge. They heat up really easily or make yourself some, uh, some hard boiled eggs, stick those in the refrigerator, pre-cook bacon, put bacon in the refrigerator. These are all decisions that you can make before you get into that day. So you don't even have to make those decisions. So, you know, the alarm goes off, you get up, you go into the kitchen, you've got hard boiled eggs in the refrigerator and uh, bacon, and you are going to take that to work with you. And when you get to work, you're going to heat up your bacon and you're going to eat that and you're going to have your hard boiled egg. No decision about, do I stop at the McDonald's? Do I not? You know, then when you're in McDonald's, you're like, well, I know I can get a platter with just eggs and bacon, but oh my gosh, that biscuit looks so good. And I'd re I just, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to have one biscuit, right? It's not. So then, so again, it's this willpower thing. So by the time you get to the office party that evening and they've got a cheese tray, like they've got this great looking charcuterie board that you're like, Ooh, that sounds so yummy. And so maybe a glass of wine, no big deal. By the time you get there and you had that in your mind, that that's what you were going to do your willpower shot. So when they bring out the little, uh, the, the little tray of cookies, it just looks so good. And you have no willpower left because you've used it to make all these decisions throughout the day that were decisions you could have already had made, right? Like, it's you're like, I just get up at this time. This is what I eat for breakfast. This is what, like, you don't have to make those decisions every day. So then when you get to the office party after work on the, you know, I don't know, maybe your office does a Wednesday happy hour. When you get to that Wednesday happy hour, you have the willpower to see one of your favorite cookies on that tray and be like, nope, not going to do it. Like I, I've, I've not made that, you know, you, you're, you're not thinking this way, but your brain has not made that many decisions because you just know what you're going to do every day. And so now you have the willpower because you've not used it throughout the day. You've not had this decision fatigue all day long. So when you see that cookie, you can be like, nope, that is not going to serve me well. I know how that's going to make me feel. I don't want that. Man, I'm down 20 pounds. I'm going to keep going on this. I feel so good right now. Not going to do it. Done. And maybe you've already made the decision that for you, alcohol's out. So you're going to have a glass of ice water. Or maybe for you, you've decided that you'll allow yourself one glass of wine or one spirit, whatever, maybe a bourbon, whatever. And so you've already made that decision. So when you come to these things, again, no decision fatigue. You might see something that, you know, a Shirley Temple that you're like, wow, I used to drink those all the time. And, and that, or for me, an amaretto sour. And you're like, oh, that sounds so yummy. But 
you already know what you're going to have because you've already had this discussion for yourself. You've already made those decisions. So again, you don't even have to tap into willpower. Then your willpower is there to use in, in these situations where you really need to be able to use it. Or if uh, another example would be if it's difficult for you to get to the gym or to work out, just set it in your calendar. It's just something that's set. So again, you don't have to use your willpower to make yourself go work out, to like grunt through it. It's like, no, I, it's in my calendar. It's something I already do. It's just part of what it is. Because I know for me, I get, if I have to rely on my willpower, there are so many things that happen throughout the day that use, that I have to make decisions on, right? I, I'm mom to five kids. I've got 50 something animals and my you know, barnyard out here. Um, I, you know, I, I run multiple short-term, you know, vacation properties now. Um, and, you know, I'm constantly bombarded with questions from potential guests or current guests or whatever. And there's constantly something happening with one of the animals at the farm that's part of just having a farm. Um, I've currently got baby squirrels back here in a cage <laughs> behind me that we found uh, at the new home that we purchased here on the farm. And it, uh, you know, I'm bottle feeding baby squirrels, right? Like, I mean, who would have thought that? But these are the constant things that are happening in my life and in your life. It may be different things. Maybe you're not feeding baby squirrels, but you may have other things that are constantly coming at us and they constantly need us to make decisions and to, um, and to decide how we're going to handle things and whatever. And that chips away at that willpower. So if you know, kind of all the things that you're already going to do, the things that are already set in stone for you, the things that you need to do to get through your day, when these things come at you and you're constantly making these decisions and you get overwhelmed, cause I know I do, those are the days that I wanna sit down in front of a show at the end of the day with a pint of Ben and Jerry's because I'm like, I have no willpower left, right? I'm, I'm shot, I can't handle it, I have, I have no willpower, I'm just exhausted and, and I, I, just, I just can't resist it. Like I, there's just no resistance left. So though that is just, it's just a point that I wanted to make to you guys to know that all of those little things that you do throughout the day, that is what's gonna affect your willpower. It's not something that you can muscle through or the more that you punish yourself or deny yourself things that that's somehow gonna make your willpower stronger. It doesn't. In the end, it just makes you feel like you punish yourself and deny yourself all the time. And then that never leads to a good outcome, right? That's always gonna end up leading to the opposite. That's going to end up leading to you going down the road of, of, like I just said, like you're overwhelmed and frustrated. And, and that's when you start saying things like this just isn't worth it. And I'm never, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. And this is impossible. And all of those things that we tell each other and that other people tell us, um, and that keeps us from being able to do this lifestyle. So whether or not you're trying to be in ketosis or you're just trying to be low carb, keep the insulin low, can you keep those chronic diseases and inflammation at bay, um, whatever it is that you're trying to do, willpower can be your friend. And uh, you just need to kind of learn how to use that and massage that and make it work for you rather than against you. 
All right, guys, um, that's all I have for this week. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will have some interviews probably. Um, well, I have some interviews, but I probably will have an interview for you next week um, since I've done two in a row of these. Thank you guys so much um, for listening and being a part of this podcast and uh, just everything that I'm doing here uh, through 100 episodes. Like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is 100 episodes. It, uh, gosh, in some respects, it just feels like I started this podcast yesterday. And I really, really appreciate all the messages that I get from you guys um, thanking me for the podcast. It just means a lot. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Talk next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we share with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 